You're listening to Place, the podcast. I'm your host, Emma, owner of Architecture and Interior Design Studio. We are former based in Melbourne, Australia. Today, I'm joined by a guest who is a very dear old friend of mine and someone I was actually neighbours with in Queensland. His name is Jesse Rayburn of White Fox Real Estate here in Melbourne. And I could not be more excited to bring this to you today. I think we're going to have such an insightful chat. So let's get straight into it. Hi, Jesse. Hello, Emma. And uh, <laughs> thank you for having me. Yeah, I think... Um, it's crazy that you and I were neighbours when we were 14, 15 years old in Queensland. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and somehow we both ended up in Melbourne and now both in, you know, similar fields, I think you would say. Yeah, absolutely. It's um, it's quite strange to think we used to play guitar and like our dads would hang out and it was a really um, friendly neighbourhood kind of street, but our two families in particular, I think, um, still in touch. Our parents still catch up here and there and um, Jesse and I almost live around the corner now, which is just so bizarre to think how those paths kind of crossed all these years later. Yeah, we literally used to live across the road from each other. And now I think we live about 300 metres away from each other. In the yeah. same suburb. <laughs> <laughs> meant to be, meant to be. So, yeah, I ended up reaching out um, to Jesse because I thought that you guys would love to hear from him. Um, I am always so impressed when I am watching Jesse go from strength to strength over the years. He's gone from being in trades and now as a really established real estate agent and being on the block. He was on the block a couple of seasons ago. So there's just been so many things where I've seen him grow, not only as a person in his family life with his beautiful partner and daughter, but also just, yeah, really impressed with how you've grown in business. And I think it's really inspiring. So yeah, really excited to chat with you. So I thought I might start off by letting Jesse explain a little bit of what he's up to today and a question that I really enjoy asking people, which is what is your why that drives you to do what you do? Well, I think as you mentioned, um, I do have a partner, Mel, and a little beautiful one-year-old girl, Chloe. And so I think if you had have asked me two years ago, I guess what my why was, it would have been all focus around money. Uh, but obviously starting a family now, I think my why has changed a lot. And, you know, I could be cliche and say everything I do, I support my daughter or my partner. Um, those things are also true. But now uh, my why is I want to, you know, really get to a point where I have the financial freedom to just be able to do what I want, when I want. And yeah. by getting to that position, that's going to allow me to do all the things I want with my family. Mm. Um, I'm very fortunate in the nature of my work. I'm a real estate agent. And, you know, if you don't work in real estate, you probably don't know this, but it is a lot of hard work. There are a lot of long hours, but there's also, you know, we're all commission only. Most yeah, agents are commission only. Right. And so it's not I wouldn't like, have thought that. I always, in my mind, would have thought base salary and then commissions on top. But No, the majority of agents, particularly if you're established and been in the industry a while, you just want to get to commission only because you earn a, you earn a higher percentage mm-hmm. of the commission that you bring in. Yeah. Uh, it does mean that it's very difficult to get a home loan uh, yeah. because you're, you are commission only. But what it does mean is that if you're not at work, the boss isn't paying you like you're literally paying yourself you're essentially running a business inside mm. of a business yeah and so the only thing the company cares about is how much commission you earn how much are you listing and how much are you selling uh so if, if i'm not in the office on a tuesday for the whole day i don't get a phone call and they say jesse where are you they just know that i'm out trying to do deals i must be at mm. appointments for listing or i must be doing buyer appointments selling and so it's really amazing to have all that flexibility at work 
Um, Absolutely. A lot of self-trust as well in your own ability to just really have the confidence that you know you're out there making those right connections and, you know, again, that the clientele is going to trust you as well because if you are really congruent with your, like, deep beliefs that you know what you're doing, I think it just comes across so genuine to people. And actually, since you guys don't know Jesse, that's one of the the reasons why I think he is so successful. He's very genuine and down-to-earth and even all these years have passed and that hasn't changed in you. Um, And I think that's something I try and bring to my own business as well. It's that approachability that helps people just be able to come to you for anything and everything. You know, it's like no silly questions, um, so much advice and knowledge on things that people mightn't have even thought about and just being able to bring all of that to the table, but also just in a really real kind of way is, yeah. No, it's, it's the secret so, sauce. <laughs> it is the secret sauce. It is the secret sauce. I, I genuinely love helping people and I feel as though I'm, I'm very knowledgeable and a lot of things. And so a lot of people come to me with all different questions about mm. how I can help them, not just in property, but like a lot of things. And I find that so rewarding being able to offer advice. And a lot of the advice I give, like I'm not like a consultant that I'm charging, um, you know, money for, but I gave some advice to a, a you know, a client of mine only two months ago, he completely changed his entire investment strategy, sent me a message a month later and said, hey, based on your advice, I've literally just bought uh, a property in Queensland. Mm. I bought it in, in the Kurumban Valley. Um, what you said was so helpful. I can't believe I was going to make a terrible mistake. And he's gone and done it, you know. Yeah. And then also through my work, like I only, I get paid when I sell properties. I'm not a buyer's advocate but I help my clients buy properties regularly and negotiate deals because I do that for a living. So I know what a property's worth, what would be a good buy, how to make an offer. And most people don't know how to do that. Yeah. And again, I don't charge for that. So I'm like, look, if I can help you, I'm, I'm happy to help. And I think that at the moment, all I find so many people do things and then expect something in return. It's like, what, yes. what am I going to get out of this? Yeah. And I think it's so short-sighted. Um, you know, I, I would prefer someone to owe me a favor because a lot of things like what are you going to charge someone? It might be such an insignificant monetary value. Like what's a day's worth? worth? Is it 500 for you? Maybe it's 2000 for someone. I like, I look at it and go, look, I'm, I'm happy to just help. So I help people all the time. Mm, and in the service-based industry as well, exactly. It's like it's billable hours. It's just time. Like even if there were a mistake or something, it's like all of this can be remedied with time. It doesn't necessarily need to be like charging right down to the minute and having that really like grabby approach to working with people. Like I definitely think it's a much more holistic thing. And like, you never know that person might have friends that they're going to refer to you or people that they they themselves might come back to you and, you know, want to use your services again. But it's kind of um, almost the foundation of me sharing this podcast as well. It's like free value add to your audience. Like, how are you not wanting to communicate with people and build that level of trust and relationship with them where they feel like they get to know you? Because to me, that is more successful in business. You don't have to be so kind of closed off from, you know, the people, like you're dealing with people's homes. It's yeah. like very personal. So you want to get to know them and the better you know them, the more you'll be able to help, I think. so. Absolutely. And it, honestly, it's so funny. So real estate agents in the industry, well, I think they're the second least most trusted profession, <laughs> right? Which is yeah. real estate agents. Like a car salesman, real estate. Anyone taking a commission, I'm like, step back. <laughs> <laughs> and look, and that was actually one of the motivators and one of the things I thought why I would be successful in real estate. Before I did it, I was in construction and I thought 
I always wanted to do real estate and I thought there's so many snakes out there. There's so many people who don't like real estate agents. Imagine if somebody came along who was genuine, authentic, and was just an all-around good blow. Like, imagine how successful that person could be. Yeah. If people actually trusted their real estate agent. Yeah. And and now I look at it, you know, I come from Queensland, like we both moved from Queensland. I don't have a network here, didn't go to school here, didn't know anyone. I would say half of my close friendship group are clients whose house I've sold. Mm. It's just insane, you know, like most people think real estate agents, it's so transactional, but to me, it's so much more than that. And honestly, like the, some of the best friends I have and people who are mentors, people I do business with now outside of real estate are people who I met through selling their home. That's it. Yeah. And I, I even realized the exact same thing when I moved as well. And I think a lot of people can relate to this if they've moved either interstate or overseas is, you know, a bigger step again. And it's like, you've got to reestablish your entire network and no one knows you. And even having like a piece of paper from like, you know, university in my case from Queensland, people are like, oh, you know, like in Melbourne, it's kind of <laughs> like, I feel like they almost slid the resume off the table in the bin. And I actually got my first chance down here um, from a guy who had done uni and Brisbane himself and he was a Queenslander and he pulled me in for an interview just for a chat and we got on like a house on fire and he ended up being a lead director in um, an incredible architecture firm here so I had the pleasure of working there for a number of years and it's just people giving you a chance you know but I think you kind of have to build a lot of that yourself and then I just am in such admiration of people that are willing to do that you know because it takes a lot to put yourself out there constantly and and just build that up and yeah, I just think that's why people really like you because it's it's you kind of showing them step by step the hard work. So yeah, I think mm. um, you know it's like show or tell, and I yeah. think just just show people what you do. That's why yeah. I, you know I, I'm popping off on social media. I put myself out there. I do all these different things, and it it, it really helps in real estate mm. and, and just helps in in life in general because people get to see who you are. And I'm all about being authentic and genuine. And so I don't want people's only perception of me is when I'm reading a script, doing a property video yeah, or doing a doing an auction, which is like quite rehearsed. So that's why I'm doing the media stuff now. I'm doing YouTube and um, doing behind the scenes, showing people me filming TV shows because I just want to show this whole vision of myself because I do so many different things. Mm. Yeah, we said this earlier. It's like lifting the veil. Like people kind of want to see what you're doing, like the day in the life. Jesse's been doing day in the life blogs and it's fascinating because, you know, I I do a lot of that myself. Um, I've got social media as well and I think it just lets people into all of the other aspects of your personality and life that there might be so many commonalities or something in there that makes someone, you know, want to work with you or can get them to relate to you. And you might have common problems, which is such a human thing. Like we're all kind of going through the same stuff. But um, yeah, so what is a typical day in the life for you at the moment? Oh, my life is so much fun. Like when I talked earlier about the why, it's like having the freedom uh, mm. to do what I want to do. I almost have that now. I'm, I'm I'm able to do what I want to do when I want to do it. And so at the moment, like real estate is my number one focus. I love selling houses, but I'm not an agent that sells a hundred houses a year. That's not, that's not where I am in my career. And I don't think I ever want to be that agent selling a hundred houses a year. Because if you're selling a hundred houses a year, you're working seven days a week. Mm -hmm. You're working 12 hour days. You don't have time for family life or anything else. So that's not me. So real estate is my main function. so real estate is my the main thing I'm doing at the moment, listing yeah. and selling houses, doing auctions, property videos. But then I'm also um, filming a, two TV shows. 
So, okay, that's exciting. Yeah, it is exciting. Are these new ones then, something up and coming? Can you say what it is? Yeah, yeah. So I'm on, this will be the fourth season now that I'm filming Open Homes Australia. Excellent. Which is on Nine Life. It's a great show. It gets about 400,000 viewers each wow. episode, which is quite yeah. good. And then I am just started filming season two of Renovate or Rebuild. Mm-hmm. I should probably explain what they are. Open Homes Australia is a show where we go around and we meet builders or architects or homeowners who have just finished building their dream home. Yeah. And we do a walkthrough tour of it. And it's really fascinating and I can't believe I get paid to do it because I, I do it for free. My real yeah. estate job is walking around talking about properties yeah. and I love it. It's so easy to do that. So that's open homes. Renovate or rebuild is where we find people who are, they own a block of land and or a house, an old house, and they're trying to decide whether they should knock down their existing house or uh, they should renovate. So yeah. whether they should knock down or rebuild. I need to be on this show. Yeah. <laughs> this is a question I have with a lot of clients so often. Um, it is a question that comes up with every yeah. person. Should I renovate or should I rebuild? So it's a fantastic concept for a show. And we get to go in and work with these people. We sit down with an architect and obviously we have some building renovation mm. experience. And we explain to them and, and work through them uh, the best thing to do, different options. And we also take them to homes as inspiration yep. and show them like, this could work for you. Do you like this style? Because, you know, we help them do the floor plan. We help them do the interiors. And then ultimately, and we do like a cost analysis as well on the renovation or rebuild. And then they make the decision and they go and do it. So on that subject, then I do actually get quite a lot of clients kind of coming through and they might also be making that decision, but from a sale kind of standpoint, and obviously because that's what you do as well. So we're all going to go and binge watch, renovate yep. or rebuild. Yeah. Is that what it's called? We're going to watch called. that after. I'm going to link that in the show notes for all of you guys, because I personally haven't watched it. And I think that is fascinating. That is exactly where I kind of think little portions of the industry are heading at the moment, because I guess there's been, um, obviously the cost of living thing is just getting banged on at the moment. So I think everyone's got their two cents on where we kind of see our particular industry going um, on, off the back of, you know, the increased cost of construction and interest rates rises and things like that at the moment. But I think as a little side result of that, there's a lot of that urban infill that's kind of happening at the moment. So there's a lot of townhouse developments. Um, there are a lot of people renovating, whether it be adding an extension on or just renovating and keeping or renovating and selling. So what do you kind of see as, I guess, a little bit of the future trends in that sort of area coming through? Well, I found that when you sell a property, it actually is quite expensive because when you sell, you have to buy. Mm. So you sell your property, you might have a 2% commission, you're spending 1% of the value in obviously the advertising of the home. And then most people need to do like a pre-sale renovation. So, yes, yeah. You know, if your home's worth a, a million dollars, just to keep it simple, you're probably gonna invest $50,000 selling the home, including commission, pre-sale renovations, and yeah, um, marketing, right? So your 5% of the value of your home is gone in selling. Mm. But then when you go to purchase the next home, you have to pay stamp duty, which is over 5% as well. And yeah. so, you know, at a million dollars to go to that next step, you lose a hundred grand. Mm. And so I found, um, you know, recently a lot of people have decided to do a small renovation themselves because they're doing that same cost analysis and going, well, if I only needed, if I'm buying a new home to get a new kitchen and bathroom, 
well, I could probably invest that money in my own house, not move and do a renovation. And it, it makes sense to stay. For that, yeah, for that exactly. Person. And then I guess they're increasing the future sale value anyhow when they do choose that it's the right time to go. So that, you know, the next person, if they're not a renovator, doesn't have to come in and go renovate with the light on, you know, you're out or whatever. Because yeah. you've already kind of taken care of, I suppose, those sort of key areas that do look really dated in a home. Like it's often the kitchen and the bathroom um, what else do you kind of recommend when people are trying to doll it up a little bit, you know, because well, you've got to have some street appeal, right? It That's- does have to have some street appeal. So when we do, we do pre-sale renovations on almost 99% of the properties that we sell. Right. So it's very common. Yeah. 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 Almost every property and mm-hmm. every property I list, it's a common theme. The client's like, oh my God, I had no idea it would be this hard to get my home ready for market. Yeah. And I'm like, well, you've lived in the home for 20 years. Like, do you want to leave any money on the table or do you want to maximize the sale price? Because I know from experience, the best way to maximize the sale price for selling, it's not kitchens and bathrooms because those are such massive capital investments that mm. you certainly should make if you plan on staying. But if you are planning on selling, often it is actually just an overcapitalization. Absolutely. You might spend 50 grand on a kitchen, you might get 50 grand back, but why would you spend 50 to not make any money and just get your money back? Yep. The best way that I think people can add value to their home for a pre-sale is painting, mm-hmm. carpet, floorboards, lighting and styling yeah and it's the most affordable thing you can do you can all of those little cosmetic upgrades all those little cosmetic updates and and the the street appeal what you said about the facade like melbourne the street appeal is such a huge thing it's such an important factor of selling it's a first impression that people have of your home when they see it absolutely so paint the facade you know paint the faces and gutters Put some tidy the garden, yeah. Tidy the garden, <laughs> paint the fence. Yeah, I'm selling a house in Elwood at the moment, and I gave the client a list of like 30 things he had to do to get it ready for sale. And they don't have to do those things. Like I have trades, and I manage the whole pre-sale renovation for mm. them. And they're like, "What's it going to cost for your service?" I say, "Well, mate, my fee's the fee. That's why maybe my commission's a little bit higher, but I'm going to do all this for you. I've got rockstar trades." Uh, he, he needed his smoker alarms replaced. I called my uh, electrician. He was there within an hour replacing his smoke alarms. The yeah, guy was fantastic. trying to get someone there for two months. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, mate, I'll take care of it. All connections. It's yeah. all connections all about knowing connections, the right people. Right? Yeah. Um, and I said, look, you need to paint the front fence and facade. He didn't want to do it. Lived in the house for 37 years. Love the colour. I said, look, it's not a personal attack on you. I'm not saying that it's not nice. I'm just saying that if you want to maximise the sale price and appeal to the largest audience, mm. we need a white. we need to whitewash this house. White fence, white facade. He said, okay. He was reluctant. He did it. He called me. He said, honestly, I just want to thank you again. <laughs> it's like the fifth time I've pushed back on you of telling me to do stuff that I didn't want to do, but I took your advice and it looks fantastic. I'm yeah. like, yeah. I said, do you think we're going to get more for the sale price? He goes, I know we're going to get more for the sale price. Absolutely. It's so funny in this industry, I guess. It's like any creative industry or any kind of artistic pursuit or things where you're dealing with an aesthetic. I think it can be such a personal thing, but when you're yeah, selling to someone else or when I'm working on properties for, you know, property developers and they're creating townhouses to on sell to an unknown customer, then it's like, how do we design around that? So it's not taking too much of their personal flair and actually just going to appeal to the broader demographic who is actually going to buy it. Um, and often that leads me as the architect to kind of have conversations with a local real estate agent who knows the area. And I'm like, 
who, who's around here? Like we got schools, have we got, you know, the beach, like what's the demographic, what's their age? Like, what are they kind of looking for that they think are the value adds that then I might reflect in my design? Is it more storage or is it, you know, a butler's pantry or are there certain like a mud room? So when the kids first come in out of the garage, you can dump all the dirty clothes, you know, is it something like that that's really going to catch people's eye? And it's, completely different to the stock that's out there. Um, Cause from my perspective as well, I hate seeing cookie cutter. Um, it does my head in. I just want to do really beautiful kind of a, a high-end planning approach to even mid-level product to make sure that it's just actually going to facilitate um, people's needs. I, so. I love working uh, with developers and I work with a lot of, a lot of my clients are builders and developers. I think because of my background in construction, I talk their language. Like mm. you and I could sit here and talk about property all day because we speak the same language yeah and you know i know a lot of real estate agents there's some out there who've never bought and sold a house and haven't renovated and they're giving advice to people they've never done it they're trying to they're talking to builders and developers and i think they just see through that yeah they've got a pretty good um you know bullshit detector yeah they pick up on it. <laughs> so i get along with them really well and we you know often they're about to do a development they will send me their plans before they go to planning and say hey look this is what we're looking at doing we're looking at building eight luxury apartments and I do um, a cost for them. I'll work out the pricing on all the apartments. And then the conversation will be like, look, I actually don't think that you want to be building 10 apartments with an average sale price of two and a half million dollars. Like that's yep. probably not that market. Why don't you increase the size, make it 14 apartments and then reduce the average sale price to like 1.8. So it's mm-hmm. the same end value, but there's going to be more buyers at that level. Yeah. And likewise, you know, sometimes I'll see them have 14 apartments. I'm like, you actually can support a really high sale price, reduce the number of apartments and get the same end value. Obviously, reduce the cost mm. of building as well. You've got less kitchens, less bathrooms. And we do that with townhouses. My clients who are, you know, bought a block um, and was looking at building two townhouses. And I did a uh, sort of a, a feasibility for him. I was like, right. Here's the price of your um, two individual townhouses, what the end values will be. I'm like, you're the builder. So he told me how much it would be to build. And we said, look, end value is going to be X. And I was like, look, you know, here's an end value of a single home. And the single home, because of the council that he was in, a single home, a single dwelling, I should say, requires no town planning, right? Because it complied with building Mm. res. It only needed a building permit. Uh, The build, so no time in planning is obviously less. The cost of construction of one home is always less than two. Yeah. Even though the one house is the same internal size as the two, like there's four less bathrooms, one less kitchen. Absolutely. Less all meters, the big ticket all, items. All yep. the big ticket items. Yeah. And so we sort of weighed it up and said the single home to build is going to be um, $2.5 million, or the dual lock is going to be $3 million. So yep. there was more money in building the dual lock. And the end value was actually going to be the same price as a single. And then you don't have to worry about selling two as well. Like, what if you sell one and you're hanging on to one for ages? Like, exactly. all those dreams of just a quick turnover and profit are kind of potentially out the window. Yeah, so, it's easier to sell one than it is to sell two. Yeah, yeah. And that's um that's something I try and drive home to my client base as much as possible is um, something I haven't seen heaps of in the industry. And it sort of always shocks me that we don't collaborate more. Um, you know, whenever I was working at, at a big studio prior to owning my, my practice, they were always open plan, you know, open floor plans. Everyone collaborate, everyone chat because that's how you learn on the job. You know, you're out there chatting to people. But when it comes to kind of cross-pollinating between people, there can sometimes be like an ego that wins out over the outcome. Um, and it's why 
for my own self as well. I'm trying to build like a killer team of people that, you know, like yourself, it's like, here's your real estate expert that I can jump on the phone to when I'm even planning something out. And someone else might not want that because they're like, I don't want this guy to tell me how to suck eggs. Like I already know how to design a beautiful building. But the thing is when you're looking for a really desirable outcome, I've got builders, I've got trades, I've got real estate agents that I will definitely engage and call and get opinions from. Um, And, you know, even the council, when you kind of get to that phase and you've got a local planner that you can give a ring and, and have a bit of a chat about something you're doing, because Ultimately, you'll kind of find people want to help you and everyone knows so much that you might have thought about um, and it can really just bring something together in the best way possible. So, so yeah. a lot of people look at me and think I have an ego. I think you and I, <laughs> you and I have known each other yeah. for over 15 years and you could probably attest to this, but I don't think I'm any different now with what some people would say success because I was on the block and that mm. like, a bit of notoriety. As you get a bit roasted on the block, I oh, think. <laughs> roasted on the block. Everyone's like, yeah. know it all. And I'm like, well, I'm, I'm doing the work. I, yeah. I kind of know a little bit what I'm talking about. I used to be in construction. I've renovated four of my own properties, so yeah. I had some experience. Um, but I like to think that, and I say this to my business partner, the people I work with, like there's no egos at work. Yeah. So whether if I'm filming a TV show, which I do, and I say to the producer, like, if you think I'm saying something that's not quite right or my pronunciation, I'm like, just tell me, we'll redo it. Yeah. And we've been doing that now with them for three years and they're so comfortable. I'll say something and he'll go, nah, do it again. I'm like, yeah, no problem. Didn't feel good anyway. Mm. Like, no ego. When I'm doing an auction, I'll do the auction. I'll go up to my boss, Marty, after and I'll go, mate, what do you think of that? He goes, I didn't like how you said that. Didn't like how you said that. I said, perfect. I'll improve on that. Yeah. When we're filming stuff for Rayburn Media, say to Andrew, my business partner, I'm like, mate, if, if I'm doing something that you think's not good enough, just tell me. Like, I have no ego. I just want to get better. Mm. And I think, you know, so many people, they do get an ego, whether they're a builder or developer or, you know, whatever industry they're in, and they think they, they actually stop learning. They, yeah. don't, they don't take the criticism. They take, yep. the, they take constructive criticism as a personal attack. And it's like, no, we're all on the same team here. We just want to deliver the best product, whatever that is. We just want to get better. Mm. And so, yeah, leave your ego at the door in anything you're doing. Just consistently try to improve and take advice from people. Take feedback. Yeah, my um, my partner is a um, business coach and a life coach, so I don't get away with anything around here, like no limiting language and none of that. But one of the most um, interesting things he said, he always just has these profound little things that he can remember so much. It's absolutely incredible from all the years of learning and reading. And um, it was constant and never-ending improvement. I think it's canny is like the little okay. acronym for it. <laughs> and I was like, it's so true though. Like it's, I, I can't remember where specifically that comes from, but that's kind of the approach you want to have. It's just constant, like, you know, never-ending improvement always, like always kind of striving to be like, best on ground, best yeah. in your field. And yeah, I think that's the best. It. I, I want to be the, the best mm. at everything I do. Mm. Well, I can't be the best of it if I'm not getting better because I'm certainly not the best at everything I do at the yeah. moment. There's yeah. people on so many levels above where I am. It's like, all right, how do I get there? And well, it's mastery, right, isn't yeah. it? Because um, that's another thing I've like really learned from Jazz. He'll say, like, you know, you kind of want to find someone who is doing what you want to do. Um, and you, you want to analyze how they're doing it. What are their habits? And, and kind of learn from a real um, case study effectively. Okay, so I do have to ask you, since you weren't already busy enough, now you've started Rayburn Media. Yes, yeah, so I have actually just started my own media company at Rayburn Media. Mm-hmm. And the reason I did that is I just wanted to be in control of all the content that I was creating. Yep. Because I wanted to do YouTube, I wanted to do property tours, 
and I'm filming, you know, for other production companies, these TV shows, but it's only filmed for a short amount of time and it's very scripted mm. and not a not my true personality. I don't get to fully be myself. It's all, yeah, it's always the restrained version, you know, because it it's got to be appropriate for their audience or for what they're trying to create, I guess. So you it don't is. have that freedom. You don't have the freedom and you... You know, you have to talk about what you're talking about. Like, if I'm filming with a sponsor and I'm talking about Windows, well, I can't mm-hmm. just start talking about, you know, doing a development or... T- or, like, your two favourite window brands, they're like, cut. <laughs> you can't do that, right? So, yeah. so Rayburn Media, I launched my own media company really because I wanted to be in control of my own destiny and I love creating content. Mm. And I know how, you know, beneficial it's been for me personally um, doing media because of the connections that I've made mm. and through media I generate I do actually generate some business which helps me in real estate yeah like quite a bit of business yeah well you've got a pretty significant following these days <laughs> after all of that so yeah. yeah and so I wanted to just have my own media company to be control of my own destiny and create my own content but really what I want to do is help business owners grow their business as well I think so yeah. many people know that they should be doing social media because I think it's just media now. It's not social media. Like social media is the new media. Media in general. Media yeah. in general, right? Yeah. YouTube, Instagram, Facebook. Well, TikTok. even online blogs. Like you never know. You, I've been called to be like a guest, you know, writer or something. And it's just a journalist that's panicking because they're like, I've got a deadline at five and I just need an architect to make a quote about X. And you're like, okay, like no worries. Yeah, like, exactly. But you've got to be, yeah, media trained, I guess, to sort of survive in the current um, climate. Yeah, you need to be. You need to be. And I think, you know, where where I'm, you know, Rayburn Media is not a company where you call and go, oh, hey, I need a videographer. Can you come film this? It's like, no, that's not what we do. Like, we want to implement, like, proper strategies and understand people's businesses so we can create content that helps them grow. Mm. Like, we want to do 12-month campaigns for these companies because often... People will post something on social media or do a video and go, oh, I didn't get the views and likes and they'll get, they'll stop. They'll be like, it sucked. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, well, what, what message are you trying to say? What do you, with the content you're creating, like, what is the story you're trying to yeah, tell? Yeah, what's the brand story? What's the brand story? And is it consistent? Yeah. Like, are you, are you posting this video because you want to get views? Are you posting it because you want to get comments? Are you posting it because you want to increase your following on your page? Or are you posting it because you want to sell a product? Mm. But there's so many different reasons you can be posting something and most people don't ever think about why they're doing it they just oh, i have to do it so they have a haphazard approach to creating media they do it for a short time they don't think it's working and so they stop and so we're like nah we'll come in we'll create a full content strategy we'll yeah. map out a 12-month plan for you we'll understand your brand uh your tone of voice your you know what it is you're about and then we will go out there and create the content for you. So then you can post consistently and it'll be professional quality. It'll be in your brand colors. Brilliant, yeah. Like how it's supposed to be, not just, oh, I need to get the cheap videographer to come in and film this for a day. It's like, that's not that's not us. Yeah, and it, I mean, even trying to do it yourself as well. Like I, I do a fair bit myself because that's kind of how I was getting started on YouTube and built up a bit of a following there. But in saying that, it's like when I tried to do a photo shoot by myself, for example, to do some branding imagery, I hired a studio like drove down there for the day had my tripod and like a timer that I had to keep hiding and like it was just a nightmare and like in the end I thought you know what I expect people to trust me as a professional that you know I know what I'm doing and I'm going to take care of their project from the kind of concept to site so 
why would I not trust a branding photographer who specializes in that? And I just hunted around. I found someone whose style that I really liked mm -hmm. and I kind of felt like aligned with me. And she so happened to be on the Gold Coast. So ended up being a little bit of a trip and sort of home to see the fam. But she just had what I wanted, you know, and I think people will always come to you if you've just got what they want, what they need. Um, and her prices were premium, but I didn't mind paying because the results that I got were exactly what I was after. Um, and it was exactly what I needed for my brand. So yeah, I think there's a lot of power in investing in that. Yeah, there is. And I think, um, you know, like so many business owners are very good at their job. Like if you're an electrician and you own an electrical company, I bet that you're probably the best electrician out there. Mm. You probably have no idea about marketing and, and social media, right? It's all that word of mouth mostly, it's you know, like the old word school approach. Yeah. yeah, it's all word of mouth. Like I know in the last 12 months, um, I've probably got $15 million worth of listings that come through my social wow. media. Yeah. Um, one I'm about to sell, you know, next week, which will be, you know, probably set a record for the suburb. Mm. Um, I'm Fantastic. Working with an architect <laughs> that I, I'm, uh, you know, I look up to this architect. I made a connection through him through social media. And I'm this is wild. I'm like, all these people I'm like, who I look up to and want to do what they're doing. And they're seeing me on social media thinking they love what I'm doing. They want to connect. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, I'm spending a couple thousand dollars a month maybe on creating content and, and boosting posts on social media. And I'm like, that's nothing for a whole year. Maybe it's like 25 grand. Mm. And you, I don't know, I'm not going to say how much commission is on $15 million, but it's obviously, it's a worthwhile. Significant. It's yeah. significant, right? Yeah. It's worth it. And people see what you're doing, they attract you to it. But I have a strategy. You know, I create professional content. I very rarely do um, piece to camera on my phone because yep. I just don't want to be seen in that way. I want everything. I want people when they see come to my page that it's all professional. Yeah, I know. I know what you mean. So the piece to camera can be good, I think, as an approach, depending on what you're doing, like in whatever kind of business. But sometimes it can just be a little bit chaotic, you know, because you never know what someone's going to say. It's not quite aligned with their business. It might be when they're out a bit flustered. And I think sometimes people can accidentally vent or something on their social media and then it's like, like you just want to keep it positive, consistent, um, you know, showing off the best parts of all your brand. And maybe it's even some lessons learned in there as well. It doesn't always have to be everything's amazing because sometimes things, you know, yeah. don't go to plan um, and you can kind of show a bit of that stuff as well. But um, yeah, yeah, sometimes things uh, don't go to plan. It's funny. I actually, that's part of my listing presentation in real estate. Like I have a plan. Yeah. And I, I have a plan for when things don't go to plan. Yeah. Because at the moment, obviously with interest rates the way they are and a lot of uncertainty, there are a lot of campaigns that do go off track so you need to have a plan to get it back on track yeah and people love that oh yeah it's the same in everything i do so i'm a list person i was like born to be organized because like i just can't handle if things i can kind of like imagine the timeline or a knock-on effect or you know a lead time on a material or something and you've just got to be able to have that like head above water overview of like ev everything that's going on because it's like I'm steering the ship kind of <laughs> I'm like, but you know I just want to give people the confidence of like don't worry it's not the end of the world like it might seem scary to you but when it's something like I do every day you know what I mean it's like you do your job every day you're the expert at that it would probably be overwhelming for me to step into mm. that role but vice versa to my role it's like I'm used to you know planning delays or problems that might arise in a structural design of a building and these are all things that we just kind of allow for and learn from and yeah it's sort of what makes a job fun you know it's it challenging does. and fun and frustrating at times but very very rewarding industry to be in I think oh it's I honestly like pinch myself and think I'm living the dream mm, like, I can't believe absolutely. I get paid to do this I get paid to 
walk around beautiful homes all day every day. I get to meet new people every day. They welcome me into their life. I sit down at the living room table. They tell me their most personal secrets. And then I get to sell the house at the end and have a friend for life. Like, it's yeah. honestly a dream. I love what I do, the people I meet. It's a very rewarding industry. Mm, I literally just had this moment the other day. I was designing something and it finally just came together, you know, a little puzzle piece just locked in. And I was just thinking, how good is life? Like, I'm literally designing this beautiful home for someone. They're trusting me to do it. Like, you get to be there for that whole process. And I can just imagine them walking around the spaces and using it once it's finally been built. And yeah, it just brings me so much joy. It's just the best industry in my opinion. So I think I might leave it there and we'll wrap up on a really, really positive note. Um, and thank you so much for coming to join me today. It's been really, really good to sit down and have a chat and catch up after all these years. So uh, I pre really appreciate it. Like, you know, <laughs> you and I have been friends for 15 years and yeah. I love everything you're doing. I, I enjoy watching you kick goals and achieve things in life. And yeah, I really enjoyed our chat. Um, so just to so everyone knows where to find you, um, you guys, I always do link everything in the show notes underneath the episode so if you're listening on spotify apple or anywhere else you can find us they'll all be down below but jesse let everyone know where to find you just in case they're not going to be clicking on those links well i've launched a youtube channel which is just jesse.rayburn mm -hmm. i've got jesse.rayburn for my instagram jesse and mel block which is our big uh social following page when we're on the block and then i've also got rayburn media on instagram Excellent. Thank you so much. And I hope you guys really enjoyed the episode. As always, if you did, don't forget to give it a five stars. It really helps me out and I'll speak to you soon.